Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering Podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we discuss principles for discipling your children. We are doing week two of kind of walking through your ch- with your children through pain and suffering. And so we'll go ahead and dive into that. Uh, Pastor Chad spoke with you all last week about what God's Word says and how it refines us as believers when we go through pain and suffering. Um, but it's tough when we're walking through it with our children and we see our children going through it. So children experience suffering in many different forms, from living with food allergies uh, to having a disability or a medical diagnosis, from losing a family member or a friend or moving away possibly from a home that they've known their whole life. Uh, maybe they suffer alongside a sibling who has a physical or mental limitations. Uh, for children who are adopted, a lot of times trauma is likely a part of their story. So as parents, we hate to see our children go through pain and suffering, but the truth is our kids cannot escape going through that because we live in a broken world filled with disappointment, grief, and death. We've all experienced it. Uh, But as God's Word says, He uses the pain to make us more like Jesus. So can we sit in that for a second and go, but that really stinks. (laughs) Like that says, that sounds really good, doesn't it? But Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. So God uses all things, even painful things for our good. In verse 29, He goes on and He uh, defines what good is as conforming us to the likeness of His Son. So when you mold something and you conform it, that can be pretty painful at times. But like a loving parent who allows their child to get shots at the doctor, to go through medical procedures, God allows pain because He knows it is for our greater good. God doesn't cause all things, but He does cause them to work together for our good. See, I'm saying it over and over, because the more we say it, the more we believe it, right? The more we say it, the more we believe it because it is still so painful. And we come out on the other side looking a little more like Jesus. But as our kids get older, not only do they just go through this pain and suffering, but they ask questions and they want to make sense of their suffering. They might ask, why does God allow this? And what good could come from this pain? So God gives us the precious, precious privilege of shaping our children's response to their pain of shaping how they look at it. We don't always have the neat answers and it can be heart-wrenching at times to see them struggle, but we get to be ambassadors of the Good Shepherd who walks with them in the valley. That's the job that He's given us. So how can we show them the heart of the Father when we talk to them about their suffering? I wrote a couple of things in your all's handout. First, we welcome their questions. We don't, we don't disengage. We don't just sit over in our suffering because most of the time when our children are going through pain and suffering, we are as well. It's kind of a family thing most of the time. But our children may ask many questions, express doubt, and even voice anger at their inability to fully understand why God is allowing this pain or suffering to happen. And it can be tempting for us to respond with impatience or exasperation. I'm speaking from personal experience. Of, oh, you just keep asking me that and I just don't have the answers. I just don't know or I'm struggling with it as well. But thankfully, that is not how our Father responds to us. He is so, 
so patient. We see kindness over and over in God's dealings with his children in his word. For example, God <coughs> promised Abraham a great nation. Wasn't that his promise? But Abraham had to wait and wait. And Abraham was fearful and wondered, is God really going to follow through with what he said? It doesn't make any sense. How will he keep his word? When Abraham asked how God was going to fulfill that promise through him, the Lord could have said, you know what, Abraham, I'm just really tired of your complaining. I'm tired of you not believing, so just forget it. But he didn't respond that way, did he? He responded and said, I made a covenant with you and you are going to be a father of many nations. See how it's going to unfold. So Abraham had fears and the Lord, rather than turning him away, graciously drew him near. And that's what he does with us as well. Trusting God's heart for mercy for us in Christ moves us to be a safe place for our children to come and ask those questions. So instead of rebuking them for asking questions about God, we can teach them to bring their questions to God. And we can say, you know what, I don't fully understand this either. But let's go to God and let's pray about this. And I'm so glad you're bringing them up because God is gracious and he cares and he loves it when we bring our questions to him in faith. And he is near to those who call out to him. That's what his word says. So we just want to point them back to him and to welcome their questions. The second thing is we feed them God's word. When we suffer, our human nature is uh, to look for a way to understand it, to figure it out, to deal with the pain. I think we are great in this society of finding other vices and ways to deal with pain, to deal with grief, to deal with suffering. Uh, I not only see that myself, but I see that in my children as well. But here's another clincher. Where we go for life, where we go for strength, where we go for refuge, that is where our hope is. We're often tempted to reach for you know, screen time on our phones, books, food, uh, to more than feel the emptiness, the anxiety, the grief of our souls. Let me tell you this, but man does not live by double fudge ice cream or TV shows, right? <laughs> Rather we live by every word found in the scriptures that comes from the mouth of God. So we have to remember that when we're tempted to go to those other things. So during difficult times, God does give us the strength that we need. We are loving our kids well when we teach them to read his word, to sing his word, and to pray his word. Because that's where our life comes from, our strength. He is our refuge. He is our hope. So when we read, we have an opportunity to focus our attention and their attention on what each passage teaches us about the unchanging character of God. In this ever-changing world, isn't it comforting to know that God never changes. Our kids need to know that. When we sing songs chock full of scripture, they discover that God is giving them a language to speak to him about their feelings. And when we pray, we can teach them how to pray his word. We've gone through that book, you know, praying the scriptures for your children. There's a book praying the scriptures for your teenagers. And it's just really helpful to see what things can we pray specifically for them during this season? But we can teach them to pray using certain scriptures. Using the Psalms is an amazing way to pray scripture to the Lord. Uh, for example, Psalm 27, 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we can teach our kids to pray something like, Lord, you are my light and my salvation. You're bigger than anything else that I fear. You're bigger and you're better than screen time and my very best friend. Teach me to trust you more. So just a way to teach them how to make that verse their own, how to pray that back to him. 
the third thing we do is we point them to the Good Shepherd. When we suffer, it's easy to doubt God's love and care, isn't it? In those hardest times, we just think, this does not make sense, God. Why would you allow this if you love us? We are your cre creation, created in your image. Why would you do this? But if our kids bring up these doubts, we can talk to them about Christ as a shepherd who gave his own life for us. We want them to know the personal care that God gives for us through Christ. Just as a good shepherd knows his sheep intimately and provides for them exactly what they need, Christ knows us so well and what he's provided and what he allows us to walk through because he lived it. He came and in the flesh lived our life. He experienced the pain and the suffering that we experience. And we can talk to our kids about the amazing truth about Christ is that he became man so he could feel what you are feeling. The feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of uh, homelessness. You know, he didn't have that home to go to. Uh, pain, experienced exhaustion, rejection from his family, hate from others, and every single thing we suffer, including death, he suffered because he loves us. And so you can tell your children, I know that doesn't um, seem right. I know it doesn't make sense right now, but Christ truly is the good shepherd who has the best kind of love, the love that would lay down his life for his friend. That's what his word tells us. So we plant these seeds in our kids' lives and trust the Holy Spirit to water them. He's powerful and he's tenderhearted toward our children as they suffer. And we pray that he uses their suffering to create faith in him. We trust his work as we do what he's called us to do. So trust his work as we do our work as parents. One of the hardest things to talk to our kids about and to see them endure is the death of a loved one or a friend. Explaining death and sorrow to kids has a profound influence on kids and honestly is a refining influence on us as adults and as parents as well. Uh, when parents are trying or struggling to explain death to a young child or even to explain hardships and explain how God is good and how God is faithful, I sometimes recommend a book and I put that on your handout as well. It's just a very simple young child uh, book called uh, The Moon is Always Round by uh, Jonathan Gibson. And it tells of a story of his family dealing with the loss of their baby at 39 weeks. Uh, Dr. Gibson is a professor of theology, and he explained to his three-year-old son the goodness of God through a powerful metaphor of uh, the shape of the moon we can see versus the shape the moon actually always is. Uh, Dr. Gibson would often ask his son in the book, what is the shape of the moon? And he would respond that it's a crescent or it's banana shaped or it's a half circle. And uh, then he would say again, well, what shape is it always? And then his son would be reminded Dad, the moon is always round. Dr. Gibson would ask, what does that mean? And his son would say that God is always good. And so what an amazing biblical metaphor and something that actually we can look up into the sky and see that's continually available to us for even our own hearts, but for our children as well. Uh, there's a part of the moon that we see. There's sorrows that we face, but no matter the shape, the reality is that the moon is always round. And God is always with us no matter what. And he is always good. Just like the moon's shape never changes, God's na nature never does either. So talking to our kids is important because death 
and sorrow are unavoidable and inevitable. And I'm sure I could walk around and ask each of you how that has shaped your life. And you could each give me stories of how uh, you've experienced that as well. We live in a culture, though, that avoids death at every cost, uh, even our greatest sorrows. So we, could, we, we know that we should put um, the point of our God is so good ahead of everything else and that God is in control and God is all powerful because this world tries to say that he's not. He, we live in a world that defies youth and it runs from death. We live in a culture obsessed with cheating aging. <laughs> we see that every day uh, because they're convinced that this life is all that there is and they don't want to get to the end of it. Uh, the world has the idea that God is limitless or that he has limits, sorry, he, that he is limited if he even exists at all and that we are limitless because of medical advancements and scientific discoveries. But scripture tell us, tell us, tells us that we are what? We are limited. We are limited creatures. And our days are literally numbered by God. He knows, doesn't he? And God is limitless in his care and in his person. So I believe that it's good for us to take our children to funerals, to take them to the hospital and see people who are at the end of life and to talk to them about the reality that one, one day all of us, their parents and them, will see the end of their life here on earth. So we live in a culture that's so unprepared for the reality of death that we don't know how to live. We're so focused on right here, right now, because this is all we have, that's what the world says, that they don't really even truly know how to live. But we know that there should be no death, fear and death as Christians. We have a sure and certain hope because our days are numbered, <laughs> because we belong to God. We don't have to have fear. Nothing can take us from this life until God says that we are done. And when God says that we are done, there is nothing that can keep us here. And so how do we talk to our kids about death? If we know that's true and if we've experienced that, how do we talk to them? And so I just wrote out some notes there for you all as well. And so I would encourage you to always tell your kids the truth. And especially the earlier, the better that they do see that this is a reality of life, but where our hope is and our hope is in heaven. And so don't use the death of a loved one or a friend to be when you actually don't tell the truth to your children. Teach them early that they can always count on you for the truth, even when it's hard. Don't speak for God, but point them to God. God is always good, but he doesn't always make sense to us and the things that we see. There are mysteries that we will never fully understand. So don't tell your kids what God should have done, but point them to his word and teach them to trust him when their eyes can't truly see what's happening. The next one is don't minimize difficulty or simplify God's glory or majesty. It's easy to give our kids little easy answers just to kind of brush them off and move on to the next thing, but point them to the majesty of God. Remind them of what in Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver told the kids that God is not safe, but he is good. And trying to understand why people die and how people die, it's important to remind ourselves that God isn't safe. Sin is real, but God is always good. And then point them to the comforts of God and the assurances of Scripture. Another well-meaning but harmful lie people tell their kids after the death of a loved one is that God didn't do this. 
this may make them feel good for a time, but that will eventually <coughs> cause insecurity and fear and anxiety. I want you to think about this, this next thing that I wrote. If, if that's true, if God did not allow that to happen, then we're saying if the devil's, devil's ability to take life is more real than the power of God to preserve it, then we're all in a lot of trouble, aren't we? So this should give you comfort. Deuteronomy 32, 39, it says, Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Well, that's intense, isn't it, to think about it? But it shouldn't give us anxiety as followers of Christ. It should give us great comfort because nothing can take us from God's hand. We are safe and secure in His hand. And we either believe He is who He is or we don't. And that should give us joy to know that, the joy that comes from the Lord and knowing that we are safe and secure in the palm of His hand. So how do we live lives marked by joy in our present moment when we go through pain and suffering, when our children go through pain and suffering? How do we have hope for the future? We realize that this life is but a foretaste of the glory to come. That's in Philippians. Our children are learning as well toward the end of it, of the hope and the glory that is to come. I know parents, there is nothing harder to see and to witness, to see our kids going through hard things, to see our kids going through grief and pain and suffering, especially when we're not able to take it away. But through our eyes of faith, we can see suffering in our kids' lives as a gift that can reveal to them the heart of the Father through our Lord and Savior. So I ask Him for grace to speak His words and to show His heart that He has promised us that He will answer. So we go to Him in all things and we trust that He has given our kids to us for this season and that He's going to work good through the pain and the suffering to conform them and mold them to become more like Christ. But we have a big job to do as well to point them to Him, to lead them to the Good Shepherd, to be in the Word so they have that foundation to lean on during those hard times. And so kind of ending with that metaphor of the moon again, we need to remember that God is always there, just like the moon is always there, whether we see it or not, whether we see little glimpses or the entire thing, that He is always there and always taking care of us, even using sad things to help us to be more like Jesus. And encourage you all in that today. So let's close in prayer and then you all can head on to your small groups. Lord, you are so good and I'm so grateful that you use creation to remind us of how good you truly are and that you are so faithful. Lord, I pray that each parent in here would just have a passion to be in your word because it just opens up a new world to us to understand that through our pain and suffering, through our child's pain and suffering, that you are there and you have a greater plan for it, for them to be molded to be more like you. So Lord, be with us as we walk through those hard times with them. Remind us to point them to you, to lead them to your feet because you are the good, good shepherd and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.